I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in or welcome in back into the new week. I'm Clay Travis. He is Buck Sexton. We appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We have got... A bevy of stories to get to that happened over the weekend and beyond. We look forward to diving into all that with you. We'll be joined by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan at the top of the next hour. He is going to break some news, I believe, with us. But certainly we'll be talking with him about the charges against President Trump, the investigations ongoing in the Republican-controlled House and where he sees things going from here. But off the top, I want to give you a bit of news. We have uh, Louisville, uh, Kentucky, is one of the many markets where this show is number one overall. Sometimes when there are breaking news stories, they go directly to the breaking news. So I'm not sure if we are on in Louisville right now, but there was, so all of you know, a shooting uh, in the downtown area of Louisville, Four people are dead, eight wounded, and the shooter is also uh, dead. Uh, the details on the shooter and, and everything else still remains outstanding, and that is we don't know it. Uh, this was a shooting that took place at a bank near uh, the minor league baseball stadium, for those of you who are familiar with downtown Louisville. Uh, the shooter is dead, four additional innocent people dead, eight wounded, just to keep you updated on that. Again, that occurred this morning in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, but we wanted to go right into the continued woke fallout that we are seeing across the entire country. Buck, I couldn't couldn't hardly go anywhere without people wanting to talk about this Bud Light decision to have a spokesperson who is a uh, is a woman pretending to be a man, or sorry, a man pretending to be a woman, 
everybody seems to be talking about this. And I do think this is going to be a significant, massive blow overall to Bud Light's brand. But a lot of people out there are asking the question, how in the world did we ever get here? How do we get here to a relatively low-cost beer that is, I would say, wildly popular with the working man, that is Bud Light, a a brand that used to advertise, hey, we like girls, we like football, which is something that your average guy would respond to. How in the world did we end up here? Well, and I'm not sure how exactly to pronounce her name, but I want you to listen to this. Um, This is Alyssa. Well, actually, before we get into the ridiculousness, Buck, do you remember the Coors Light? Heinerscheid. Uh, yeah, we'll get to her in a sec, but I want to play something positive. I think we've played this before. Do you remember the Coors Light ad in the early 2000s that just talked about how people liked football, girls, and uh, and having a Did, good time? Do you remember that? That was Bud Light's brand, actually. Bud Light's brand was drink Bud Light while there are girls in bikinis at the beach yes. and American flags. That was so the brand. I, this, this is Coors Light. They, they, this is a Coors Light ad, but I'm telling you that this ad would dominate if they would bring it back and just basically throw two middle fingers in the direction of all the woke losers out there. But for those of you who remember this, this was the Coors Light Twins ad. It was so popular, people would just play this theme song I just want you to listen to it. It wasn't very long ago. This is how they used to sell beer in America. I love playing two-hand touch, eating way too much, watching my team win with the twins. I mean, it feels like, Buck, that was like 2006, all right, that that ad was wildly popular. A lot of you out there remember this ad, you know, girls in short skirts, cheerleaders, beer, guys throwing football, grilling out, tailgating. Sounds awesome, right? Now, listen to this transition. This is, and how do you say her name? Alyssa Heinerscheid. I'm I'm guessing. I took two years of German. That's the closest I can get. She is Bud Light's VP of Marketing, and she's talking about how they have to evolve the Bud Light brand. Listen. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And, okay, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men Mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover i mean bud light had been kind of a brand of fratty kind of out of touch humor and it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach so, Clay, I know everyone's everyone's dunking on this all weekend. You are. Uh, everyone's dunking yes. on it, right? Because it shows you that exactly what we tell you, that woke considerations or what in the 90s um, would have been called politically correct considerations yep. are now dictating brand propositions 
for things like Bud Light and you know name you know Disney uh, go go down the list. But here's the part of it that I think is actually more distressing than than most folks realize. Uh, for this uh, Alyssa Heinerscheid, this is for her deeply brand enhancing. Sure, maybe she'll get fired from her job. Maybe, probably not. Destroying whatever is left of Bud Light. I don't drink beers. Everybody knows because I have celiac disease. But from what I, you know, what I understand, Bud Light is not high on the taste profile list. Right? It's not particularly great uh, compared to other beers. She has done a lot of damage to the brand. People are angry at it. But understand, she is able to do that destruction to Bud Light and advance herself. After this video comes out, she is now on the radar of the biggest woke corporations. You know, you'll see she could become a uh, head of diversity and inclusion or some important, uh, to the, to the left job at any major corporation in America now. I, the, the point I'm making is that it is brand enhancing for a wokester to destroy a brand as long as they do it for the reasons the commies want. Yeah, look, it can be individually good, and this is the challenge with the woke takeover of business in general, is it can be individually good for the overall brand of the individual who makes that choice while destructive to the global brand. And I'll give you an example, Buck. Uh, I, I do, and I have, regularly drank Bud Lights, right? You're out at a bar, it's crowded, and you're trying to get, and I, you know, I go on the road for college football all the time. Let's say I'm with three or four buddies and you're at the bar and it's crowded, it's easy to just say, hey, give me four Bud Lights because I'm not going to be ordering like four difficult-to-make mixed drinks, right? This is not the Bud Light audience is you're in a crowded bar, you're buying a bunch of beers for buddies, and you're just like, okay, just give me four Bud Lights. It is a generic, easy beer order to make. I won't do that now. And... Look, I obviously got my own local beer that we enjoy promoting gratis, and it's a lot of fun, and we're never going to do advertising campaigns like this. But I think there are many of you out there listening to me right now who know exactly what I'm talking about. You're out on a Friday night with friends, and it's easy to just order a Bud Light because, again, it's a generic brand that exists everywhere. I guarantee you, Buck, they are getting reads. I guarantee you right now all over the country, and there are lots of guys and girls like me who are just wanting to make a choice. Because look, if Bud Light advertised to everybody, if your true goal was to be super inclusive, if Bud Light was like, hey, we want to spend $3 million a year, and we want to be the official beer of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show, and simultaneously, we want also uh, to go out and we're going to try to bring in you know, trans influencers or whatever else. I would think it was dumb for the brand, but I would at least acknowledge, hey, they're trying to reach the full scope of the American population. They're not doing that. They wouldn't even spend a dollar with this show. It's the biggest radio show in the country. 500 affiliate radio stations. Because they're afraid of our opinions and how scary we might be. They wouldn't advertise with us, but they'll go give a fake chick hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and destroy the brand. Because, by the way, fratty, out-of-touch humor. You know who likes fratty, out-of-touch humor? Pretty much every dude in America. And that is the backbone of the Bud Light audience. Well, you have to remember, though, that the the, the one thing the left has done really well for a long time, and conservatives have been asleep at the wheel on this one, is they don't just seek out the 
nodes of of power, you know, the, the choke points of authority and influence in our society and in our culture in a general sense, they want to go for the foundational ones. They want to be looking at the things that we think of as or, or taking over the things that we think of as the most traditional Americana. I mean, Disney, yeah. I think, is a good example of this. And I think that ideologically, they get a particular thrill. I, I think the left views the, you know, spasms of wokeness that we've seen from professional sports, uh, you know, NASCAR or NFL or whatever, as enormous, enormous successes for their ideological movement, right? More so even than you could just say based upon reach and the dollars and cents involved, because they want it to feel like there is no refuge left for yeah. traditional Americana. So they want to go find the, 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 whatever you believe, you know, an example is if the left can get the company that sells you your fishing lures to send out something, you know, that says, Oh, you know, we stand with trans surgery for children. That is far more exciting to the left than having, you know, Hulu put out some statement or something in support, even though Hulu is obviously because they control all of the media and we expect that from Hulu. If they can start to take over and flip the branding and the feel of things that you would generally consider to be outside of leftist Democrat influence, you know, that for them is really, it's like going, it's like going into our kitchen. You know what I mean? It's going yeah. into the, the rights safe havens and saying, we're going to do, and they've obviously, They've done this in the schools. They've done this in the media. They've done this all over the place. But culturally and, and from a corporation standpoint, you know, they, they really want to, they really want to do everything they can to make it clear that there is nothing that you believe in and hold sacred in America that is safe. I mean, they're going to go after your churches too. They're going after everything. And Buck, they'll lecture you for caring. Why do you care so much? If you don't like it, so what? And here's my answer to everybody out there. You should care, and you and I have been having private conversations about this. Might as well put it out there publicly. I think everybody out there who has a sane belief and loves America, you need to be starting. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm not going to buy this brand anymore. You need to be entrepreneurial and start your own brands. Because I really think we're moving towards an America where, and I wish this wasn't the case, but I think we're moving towards an America where the companies that you support are supporting and reflecting your values and i think that's important i mean the alternative is to go through more decades of what we've seen for particularly yes. the last i mean i think you can set a lot of this the the extreme wokeness to the start of the obama administration um but what what you see are companies that don't feel like they have to be responsive really to their customer base in any meaningful way because they're so powerful and so wealthy that they don't care i mean i'll never forget how many times did you ever have this I got into an Uber during the pandemic and the driver would pull his mask up when I got into the car. And a couple of times they actually complained about me to Uber. Yeah. And then Uber me. made me take a photo of myself with a mask on before I could get into another Uber. Yeah. I mean, the, the most basic bend the knee peasant stuff you could ever. I mean, Uber should be ashamed of itself. You know, it's run by morons, but they don't care because they think they can just keep doing this stuff. So we do need a parallel conservative economy in as many places as we can to create the alternatives that we can have, because otherwise, you know, keep giving your money to Bud Light. See what happens there. You know, see how the situation plays out. They disrespect you. And at some point, the disrespect 
you have to start changing the way that you're spending money. I've done it in my household. I'd encourage all of you to do it. But more importantly, I'd encourage the people with the means to do so to start building their own apparatus that respects the audience that they're going after and start competing with some of these brands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of family gatherings happened over the weekend, brought people together, multiple generations together in many cases, right? Passover, Easter, big things happening. So many stories told around the table. But you know what makes those stories even better? Videos and photos that bring them to life. Not if they're trapped on old media like videotapes or film reels or tucked away in photo albums. Make your next family gathering a more memorable one by using Legacy Box. For a decade now, Legacy Box has been digitally transferring family movies and old photos into digital files on thumb drives or DVDs. This makes them easy to share and also preserves them for future generations to enjoy and pass down. This, the process is so simple. Clay's done it. I've done it. It's so great. They send you a box, you know, legacy box. You put your stuff in it. You send the box in, and you can actually track it at each stage of the process. And then when you get your old media back, they wrap it really nicely, too. It's a very care, uh, careful process. You also get your digital media, and then you can enjoy rewatching family movies you made 20 or 30 years ago, or you can text old family photos to each other. You can post them on Facebook, say, hey, remember this photo from 1982? You know, stuff like that. It's amazing. Legacy Box is giving you 50% off their regular prices. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck to learn more. Again, that's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. Check out that website today. The Torch of Truth. Past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. no we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this. That's, that's, that's we didn't the problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh, my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year 
at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Well, this is not a monster surprise, but the Trump-DeSantis shadow Cold War continues. But this was interesting, Buck. In the last hour, Trump truthed out as follows, and I'm curious what you think about this and how you would analyze it. Also, by the way, 800-282-2882. Many of you can weigh in on a variety of different top, uh, subjects. And reminder that we're going to be joined by Ohio Congressman uh, Jim Jordan at the top of next hour. So in about uh, 25 or 30 minutes from now. Um, and this is from Trump, like I said, an hour ago, uh, discussing Ron DeSantis. Um, and let me make sure I get it in front of me to, uh, to read exactly what he said. Um, because this is maybe the... Uh, I would say, Buck, the first time that I've seen a hint like this. Tell me if you agree with me. Ron DeSantis is a young man who is not doing well against me in the polls, to put it mildly. I believe that if he decides to run for president, which will only hurt and somewhat divide the Republican Party, he will lose the cherished and massive MAGA vote and never be able to successfully run for office again. If he remains governor which is what Florida voters assumed, it would be a whole different story, all caps, just saying, but who knows. So when I read this, I read this as Trump saying I might pick him as my VP. Do you read it this way, Buck, or how would you analyze, again, this is Trump, a truth social tweet he put up in the last hour. I think that that's perhaps supposed to be the interpretation of it. I think that there is no chance that Ron DeSantis would believe that Donald Trump, um, that Donald Trump would, um, really want him to be his VP. Uh, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that uh, happen. I could be wrong and we could see that play out very differently. Um, but Trump's VP pick is. It's not going to be somebody. I mean, I'll tell you again. This is assuming he wins the the primary, which is yeah, an assumption, yeah, and which may very well not happen. So you know, we don't know. Um, but uh, if he's going to be able to pick a VP, uh, it would be somebody who uh, loves Trump a lot. 
That will be that will be number one thing. Somebody who is very very loyal to Trump. Um, so I don't know who that is. I think there's some names already out there. It's not going to be Glenn Youngkin. It's not going to be Kemp. It's not going to be someone from a state that they could help deliver. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, and if any, you know, you can mark this day, and we can go back and remember. That. I'm just I'm just saying what I think is pretty obvious and where this is likely to go. Again, assuming that Trump were to win it, um, but I don't I don't see uh, DeSantis wanting to be anybody's uh, VP either. I mean, why not just keep being the best governor in the country? That's my that's my sense of it. I, I'd be curious to hear what people out there are thinking about it. I think it's probably smart strategically of Trump um, because it there are a lot of people listening to us right now that would say they like Trump DeSantis as a ticket. Now, the 11th Amendment, there is a issue that would have to be resolved because under current interpretations, you can't have two candidates from the same state. So if Trump were running as president and Ron DeSantis were running as vice president, presumably DeSantis could never go somewhere else because he's the governor. Trump might have to become a resident of a different state in order to pick DeSantis as his VP. That, to me, would just be messy because you know that given all the other legal hurdles that are underway... Democrats would do everything they could to say, oh, Trump is not a resident of of insert other state here, and they would challenge it legally. I I think this is I think this is Trump in in his way Uh, this for for people who are all in on Trump right now as their candidate. Remember, DeSantis hasn't announced yet. We all know. I mean, it's a little bit of a weird situation because with the resigned to run law and with the current Florida legislature in session, we all know why he hasn't announced yet. It's not like there's a, oh, this is strange that he has. This is the expectation is that he was going to wait until after the, the legislative session. That's what everyone who follows Florida politics has, has been assuming. Um, but with all of this, it means that the people who are all in on Trump at this stage of the primary can say, see, he's even extending an olive branch and he's being reasonable and Ron won't wait his turn. That's how... The messaging of this from the Trump side of it, I, I believe, is is supposed to work. It's say uh, if Ron was just willing to uh, play ball with Trump, it would all work, and we'd have twelve years of great presidents. I think that's what Trump is going for. I think that's a good argument by Trump. My big thing on Biden, and by you see Biden at the Easter egg roll, he could barely talk to Al Roker and kind of stumbled through his answer about whether or not he said he still intends to run, but he hasn't announced it yet. I mean. Granted, I don't think he wants to announce on the Today Show with Al Roker during the uh, during the Easter egg roll that he's going to be running for re-election. The single biggest weakness that Biden has is his age and his incompetence. So I do think the one thing that Trump most takes away is, and I understand Trump is far more competent. He was at the UFC event. Uh, down in Miami. I hope some of you saw the videos and the reaction to him. That's his first public appearance since uh, since he spoke at Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday night and was in New York City for the arraignment. And the crowd went crazy for him. He was sitting with Kid Rock. He was sitting with uh, Dana White and Mike Tyson. You talk about an iconic quad there. A lot of great stories, I'm sure. Felt like an, uh, a, a, a MAGA Mount Rushmore almost. But what is interesting is Trump at 78, which is what he would be, versus Biden at 82, it does allow Democrats to take age off the table. 
in a way that Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, some of the younger candidates running for the Republican nomination, I think Biden would lose just based on looking so old, right? Um, and, and I think that would be a real difficulty for Democrats. And I think that's Biden's single biggest weakness is just that he's old, incompetent, has dementia. And if you run someone somewhat younger against him, that really registers with a lot of these independent voters. I, I, I can't help but say that it does. And so does DeSantis as the VP help Trump? Yes, I think it's probably the single gr- strongest ticket. But I don't know that DeSantis wants to be VP. And again, I just go back to that complicating factor of them both being from the same state. And I would put the chances of it happening at virtually zero. Yep. You agree with that. But I think it's yep. part of Trump to put out the DeSantis, uh, you know, that he's not. I, I argue. I mean, right can, after can, I, got can, can I just say this? Yeah. And if, even for the most ardent Trump voters, the most ardent Trump voters would have to would have to explain to DeSantis that they should ignore what happened to Trump's last VP. Which yeah. is a tough one. That's a tough one, folks. I'm just going to say I'm just talking about whether you'd want to take that job right now. I, don't know. I would also I would also point out, and I think this is significant as you as you analyze the situation. Um, so yeah, you, Trump is not loyal to Pence. Would you put it past Trump to tell DeSantis that he was going to pick him and then not pick him? Like, how do you lock in? In other words, how do you lock in and insist that someone stick with a vice president? Right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put that one out to the audience. Do any of you think that there's uh, that, that what, what would how would you respond to Clay's question about that one? I mean, really, if Trump came out and said, Ron, if you don't run, I'll make you my VP. Ron doesn't run. And then Trump picks somebody else as his VP. Is would that stun anybody? I mean, that wouldn't stun me. Like, And, and my point is, how do you contractually lock it in so that the guy is willing to a hundred percent follow through because Trump I'm sure could find something that DeSantis said or did deem it disloyal and say that he's decided that he's not going to make that decision right I mean that doesn't seem it's crazy a very to interesting all. point you are raising a question the audience can ponder right I mean it just seems like I, I just it's a long way till election uh season and until you're actually on the ballot what would lock anybody in to a, a VP commitment? But I think well, it's well, super let's, smart. Let's just have them have it out, out and there. see how it goes. You know, that's really what's going to happen here. There's a. This is a little bit like the beginning of uh, of the Battle of Sterling, uh, Sterling in Braveheart when <laughs> okay. they go out. Yes. they go out to Until negotiate. You said Braveheart, really, I was like, nobody's going to have any idea what the beginning of this is going to be. Yeah, no, they know exactly. Everyone knows Braveheart. When Mel Gibson no, when rides you said out, Braveheart, to, when you said the Battle of Sterling, I was oh, like, yeah, oh, no, man. no, 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 yeah, totally. Yeah. But in Braveheart, he rides out there, and he's before he goes, he's like, I'm going to pick a fight, and then he does. That's what this is. They're not really negotiating a ceasefire at this stage of the battle. That's my real sense. That's my analysis of what's happening here. Let him fight it out. Speaking of Braveheart, Mel Gibson was at UFC 267. Did you see him in the video? Like Trump walked by. And Mel Gibson gave him a military salute. It's it was a little bit of a clip that went viral. Some of you may have seen that. I wouldn't have thought of it if you hadn't mentioned the uh, the Braveheart angle. Mel Gibson made some good movies, by the way. I mean, I think Braveheart's the my favorite movie of all time. So there you go. You know, we're about to watch in the Travis household Gladiator, which is Laura Travis's favorite movie that's ever been made. She has excellent taste. That's a top <laughs> five, maybe top three for me. 
It's a great movie, especially coming back from Rome, haven't been in the Coliseum. Uh, expect the best. Prepare for the worst. Wise words to live by every day. You never regret putting yourself in the position of being self-reliant. That means having a solid supply of emergency food on hand. Right now, My Patriot Supply is knocking $200 off their popular three-month emergency food kit. If you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, you can get hooked up with over 2,000 calories each day for optimal strength and energy. We have this in the Travis household right in our pantry. Just saw it right before I came up to check the show. You can get hooked up. You'll be glad that you did it. And you'll be providing food insurance for your family. This lasts for years, three months daily. I've got one for each of the Travis boys as well as my wife and myself. And you can get hooked up right now and save $200 on each kit by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Be sure to get at least one kit per person. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Free shipping as well. MyPatriotSupply.com. One more time, MyPatriotSupply.com. Laugh and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. We have with us now Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Congressman, a lot going on. Appreciate you making the time for us. You bet, guys. Good to be with you. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. Well, you know, I know that the Congress is looking into a number of issues, including uh, weaponization of various agencies and possible malfeasance by what many of us would call deep state actors or those who are uh, abusing the authority given them for various law enforcement and investigatory uh, roles. You've got some stuff to talk to us about, wondering what, what you can tell us. Well, we know that, uh, you know, we, this story broke a while back, but the Richmond Field Office um, in the FBI was looking to, you know, treat traditional Catholics as, as domestic extremists. And we've now been able to look at the, the, the memo put together by the folks there in that, uh, in that office. And it's, I mean, it's, it's frightening because they were looking to put informants and undercover people inside of parishes inside of churches talking to parishioners talking to folks um exercising their first amendment freedom of religion uh a right and yet the fbi wanted people in there because they thought that people were you know they they, they use the term radical traditional catholic so it, it is truly scary what's going uh what was going on there and it's just part of this broader pattern where we see the the ftc asking a private company who are the who were the journalists you're talking to? Naming four, naming four of those journalists personally. Two of them testify in front of our committee, and while they're testifying, Democrats, uh, members of Congress, ask them who their sources are. And while they're asking one of those witnesses who his sources are, the FBI, or excuse me, the IRS is knocking on his door to his home. So um, this is the scary, scary trend we see, and why we why we formed the committee in this uh, in this Congress. Jim, appreciate you coming on. Happy belated you Easter. Bet. I hope you and your family had a good time as well. We did. Did, did I hear that they may have been trying to re- uh, recruit priests as informants? The FBI. They were. Th- th- when you look at this memo, and we we outline it in the, in, in, the, in the stuff we put together and sent to the FBI. But when you look at what they were trying to do, they were trying to develop what they call tripwires, und- people within the church, within that parish, within the church leaders. They talk about who could be possible sources to alert them to traditional radical traditional Catholics is the term they use. Now, that, if that is not a direct attack 
on the first right mentioned in the First Amendment, I do not do not know what is. And so that, that, that we found this just and how this got this is the key thing too, claim about how did this get how did this get by the the general counsel in the Richmond field office? How did this get by the people who were supposed to sign off on approving this memorandum, approving this action? And understand this got sent to other field offices around the country. Now they stopped it, thank goodness. But the fact that it went that far is, I think, what what really concerns us and should concern every American who cares about the Constitution. Speaking of Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio and and Congressman, how are the efforts to uh, see exactly what kind of abuses have gone on in in recent years with the FBI? I mean, how is that coming along? And, And I guess in some ways, as importantly, maybe more importantly, you could argue is there anything that's going to be done about any of this? I and mean, we often talk no. about how, you know, look what they yeah. did to Trump and look at the people that, well, the people that tried to have a coup against Donald Trump based on lies with Russia collusion inside the FBI and the CIA and other places, and you know, CIA director, for example, at the time, then they've all gone on to get book deals and jobs on TV. So yeah. is is there anything Congress can or is willing to do? Well, what, what we can do is, is do the investigations, get the truth, and get the facts on the table. We're going to do that. Second, we can propose legislation. We are going to do that. But here's, here's one example we're going to put forward. I think we're going to have a member of our, our committee who's going to bring this, this bill forward. But if you go after a former president like, like, like Alvin Bragg, the DA in, in Manhattan is doing, if you do that, you have, that case has to move to federal court. You can't try that case in a, in a, in a state you know, district. You can't, you can't do that. So that, that's just one kind of Thing we can do legislative. We're looking at other legislative remedies to deal with this. What we believe is the is the turning of these agencies against the American people. So you you can look at legislation, and then maybe most importantly, you have to look at the appropriations process. The founders, in their wisdom, wanted the House of Representatives, the Congress, to have the power of the purse, and the and the and the body that has the most power is the House. That's why every taxing and spending bill has to start in the House of Representatives, that body that is actually closest to the American people, because we stand for, for election and re-election every two years. So we got to look at the appropriations process and say to some of these agencies, you can't spend money on X, Y, Z, these certain things that they've been doing, or maybe just cut back some of the funds overall. So that's an important thing that we have to, I think, focus on this Congress as well. You you know President Trump really, really well. I'm sure you saw the footage of him at the UFC and how ecstatic people were to see him in Miami. Do yeah. you think that the charges by Alvin Bragg strip aside the clear issues legally with it, purely right. from a political right. perspective? Do you think it energized his campaign more so than you've seen or would expect? And how do you think down the line, whether it's Atlanta or potentially the DOJ, how do you see potentially multiple legal fronts impacting this thing? Let me take the last one first, because I'm very nervous. I actually, I think, probably agree, uh, maybe a little more with Buck on this. I think they're going to after him in every one. I think that I think you'll see this happen in in Georgia, another state action, and I think I'm afraid the DOD is going to come after him too. And if they do, if you think about this, they come after him on the classified document issue and don't go after Joe Biden. And, and now that we know Joe Biden had things in. in at Delaware, at his home, at the beach, in Chinatown, and in, in the Penn Biden. I mean, if they do that, that is so dangerous. I think for the country. I, I and you know, I just hope they don't go there because um, we don't. I just, I just hope that doesn't happen. 
but uh, I think they're going to I think you're going to see him go um go all three which is I just think so wrong. What do you think the um, time frame will be on that Jim? If they, if they if they truly and I I just find it hard to believe you may be right and Buck certainly has been on that too if the DOJ yeah. decides if they're going to go with him in all three fronts. Yeah. What do you think the time frame on that would be? I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't happen um and and Look, I think it's real important. Nobody get fired up out there and do something they shouldn't do. Uh, I just, I think that's, I just think, you know, no, no overreaction and crazy reaction and anything like this. But I do think that there's, that, that you may see all that. And I think that'd be so, so wrong, uh, if, if they do. Uh, the time frame, who knows? Only Jack Smith knows that. And only the Department of Justice knows that. But I do think this has energized President Trump's campaign. But I think mostly what energizes his campaign is people know he fights for them. He fights for the things they care about. He went to the NCAA wrestling finals, 20,000 fans. He went to the finals, something I know a little something about, and, and the place went crazy. And every single champion, I, I, I don't know if you can find another sport, maybe besides UFC and, and, and collegiate wrestling, where this happens. The 10 weight classes, the 10 champions, every champion when he won, went over to where President Trump was at, shook his hand, got a picture with the president. I mean, and he got a huge ovation. Our, our youngest son and his wife were there at the, at the tournament. I mean, th- that's just the response he gets from middle America working-class America, they know he fights for them. And I think that's what energizes it more than anything. And then when they see this action from Alvin Bragg, who wasn't even going to bring the case because he knows Michael Cohen is a terrible witness to have as as your star witness, wasn't even going to bring the case, changes his mind, they see how ridiculous this is. Uh, It just fires up, uh, I think, so many Americans even more. Congressman Jordan, in in your mind, is it even possible to call the 2024 election? Let's assume Donald Trump is the nominee. And let's assume, as as you were mentioning a moment ago, that my sense that this is the first of several prosecutions. I think Clay sees Georgia happening too. He's a little less certain about the federal charges. I, I just that, think, yeah. yeah. So my yeah. my argument, uh, Congressman, is I think that they'll use the state, and Biden can then throw up his hands and right. say, "Oh, this but, is not me. This is the state." But yeah, uh, either yeah. way, multiple. Maybe, mul- maybe. Let's just say multiple prosecutions of the Republican nominee. Yeah. The question I have for you is, as a congressman, just as an American. Is the 2024 election a free and fair election if one party's candidate is under indictment by partisans of the other side? It's, that's the fundamental question, Buck. And that's the, that's the part so many Americans will look at, like, what? Even think about last week, even like Democrats like Andy McCabe said, this is pretty unimpressive what Alvin Bragg will. Yeah, everybody knows what's going on here. And yet the left just continues to drive in this direction. So, but it's nothing new. We've talked about this on, on your show. In 2016, they spied on his campaign. In 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. In 2020, it was suppression of the Hunter Biden story. In 2022, they raided his home 91 days before the election. And in 2024, they indict him, like, based on Michael Cohen's testimony, it sounds. I mean, this is craziness. The country sees it for what it is, but the left doesn't care. And that, to me, is the scariest part. They don't care, and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And what it does to our culture, to our country, to the great people of this, uh, you know, 330-something is not healthy. But they don't care because it's all about politics for them. And that is that is the thing that frightens me the most is how the left just continues to go down this road that is not healthy. Do you think that Hunter Biden should be charged? I mean, if he's not going to be charged in Delaware— there's a lot of district attorneys out there somewhere, I would think, just based on the raw data in that laptop. If we're yeah. if we're basically creating a world where you're forum shopping constantly, and if you are yeah. a far left-wing activist, you can bring charges against people of the other political persuasion, doesn't that suggest there should be a pushback somewhere just to set the message that it's not a one-way yeah. street? 
This is this is this is a great point, Clay, and it's what frightens me too. Because uh, I think Kim Strassel's piece in the Journal two weeks ago, where she said she talked about, and she used the term that some others have used too, but you talk about crossing this this political Rubicon, or forget yeah. how she exactly framed it, but crossing the Rubicon, where now a conservative district attorney in Texas or Arkansas or Indiana or anywhere, Ohio, you name it, can can go after the other party. The same dynamic is in play, and it's like. That's not America. That's not how we're supposed to operate in our constitutional system and how we, we project to the world what we're really about. That, to me, is the frightening thing. But, yeah, people have suggested that. I think, I think Ari Fleischer suggested that. Like, did some local Republican prosecuting attorney, district attorney, who says, all right, let's go after, let's go after the Democrats. Let's go after the Bidens. I hope we don't get to that point, but um, that seems to be the precedent, unfortunately, the left wants to set. Congressman Jordan, appreciate you being with us. Thanks, sir. You you bet, guys. Take care. Thanks. With inflation on the rise and the stock market more volatile than ever, protecting your retirement savings can be a challenge. To weather today's economic uncertainty, the Phoenix Capital Group recommends diversifying your investments right now. They recommend high-value U.S. oil and gas investments with current yields that range from 8% to 12% APY paid monthly. That's a better rate of return than banks or CDs with no middleman. There are both Regulation A-plus and Regulation D corporate bond offerings with different maturities, qualifications, and rates. There's also a 9% APY starting at a $5,000 investment open to all investors. Download the Phoenix Capital Group's free investor guide today at phxonair.com. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 8 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investor guide today at phxonair.com. That's phxonair.com. Keeping it real. Keeping it honest. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. When, yes. those, when those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You're here. You're here already. No. Uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this. That's, day. Day. that's we the problem. We didn't realize it until we uh, oh. started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my God. We were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs. Yeah. And <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. 
The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. It is definitely a desire of the Democrat left in this country to not only disarm you, but to make self-defense illegal. Essentially, you are at the whim of the rabble rousers and the street mob out there. You are at the whim of criminals. You are to accept their violence against you. Because for you to take any action would be against social justice or the collective needs of the state to balance out the uh, oppressions of past or present, whatever they come up with. You're not allowed to defend yourself, that you have to just call for the police and hope that they arrive in time and then hope that they don't prosecute you for whatever reason. And I'm now thinking, of course, of the case of uh, Daniel Perry, who was found uh, guilty of murder, faces life in prison, the rest of his life in prison. This is a active, uh, an active member of the United States military. Um, I believe now he's obviously lost his uh, connection to the military. Um, pending what's going to happen here with the governor, we'll talk more about that in a second. I'm not sure how a pardon would affect that, right? He may be able to be reinstated. Um, but here's the, the basics of the case in case anybody has forgotten this. And Clay and I, we, we didn't, uh, this didn't come down, um, in time for us to talk about it on Friday. Uh, but here's what, what happened. Daniel Perry, you remember during the summer of 2020, the Democrats allowed mobs of BLM supporters to rampage through the streets, to destroy property and to shout threats and epithets at people with impunity. You know, because this is what justice, this is what we needed. By the way, our, our friend Ryan Gurdusky, Clay, just as an aside, shared out on Twitter um, earlier today, there was a big jump in uh, not just more shooting mortality, but shooting deaths of children. Yes. Starting in 2020. Like, uh, think of 40%, so, a massive I think it was increase. 50%, 50% jump percent, in young kid deaths. 50% of children being killed by guns. Started in 2020, this increase. Why did that happen? It's not because the gun laws changed, folks. It's because of BLM, the Democrats, and the cowardice 
of their Soros prosecutors and their nonsense narratives about the racist criminal justice system that has to be overturned. We have to abolish police. All of that. More dead kids because of Democrats. That is what happened. But back to this case. That's just what the data shows you. And they, by the way, I want to be very clear, Clay, that their argument during that spike, it wasn't, oh, it's the guns, or because that didn't, it was COVID. You remember that? Yes. And then, of course, it kept going and going well beyond the COVID lockdowns. So they were And what lying destroys to that argument, as we pointed out, but I think it's worth noting because some of you may hear people make that argument in your cities and your communities. Crime was massively down for the first half of 2020 because of the lockdowns. It wasn't until George Floyd and all of those protests started in 2020 that you saw a skyrocket. In other words, if you compare 2019 and 2020, it is a skyrocket that starts in May and basically hasn't come down since. So this was not a COVID-caused issue because in March and April, murders were way down. People were out on the streets way less. This was something that skyrocketed, beginning with the BLM protest, demonization of police, and it's continued. So in the Daniel Perry case, you had a an individual here um, who is a veteran and a Texan and believe, and remember, this happened in Texas, everybody. I think it's worth noting. This isn't New York. This isn't, you know, Los Angeles. This happened in the state of Texas, and uh, there was a BLM mob on the streets in Austin, in the street, illegal, blocking traffic, blocking cars, threatening people. It's scary. A mob walking through the street and holding your car effectively hostage for a period of time is a, is a frightening thing. And there are all, there are different instances where people try to drive away and then, you know, then the BLM riders, oh my gosh, they're, look at this person, they're trying to murder everybody. Don't block cars in the middle of the street because you want to make some stupid political point, right? It's, it's illegal. You shouldn't be doing it. And people are allowed to defend themselves. They don't have to sit there and be subject to mob justice. So, so Garrett Foster, 28 years old, he was walking around with this mob carrying an AK-47 or something that looked like an AK-47. I'm not sure if that was actually the, uh, Oh, it says an AK-47 here in the uh, in the story, so I'll just go with what the reports are. Um, but he's carrying a you know a rifle, and it's very straightforward. Perry was an Uber driver at the time, and they surrounded his car, and he said this guy you know, had an AK slung around his neck. This guy Foster, and he, according to Perry, flashed toward him. You know the barrel of of the yep. AK-47. Perry drew down and shot him and killed him. Now, I spend a fair amount of time in the past training with firearms. I'm trying to get my skills back up now, Clay. If someone draws down on you with a firearm on the street, you have every right, if you are armed, to shoot them. You don't have to wait for them to pull the trigger. If they point a gun at you, you're allowed to shoot them. This is the most basic self-defense principle imaginable. And the uh, the police at the time, and there's, in- there's interesting information here about uh, that's come out about some of the affidavits and you know, the, the initial detective, I believe, who was there, who was one of the first on the scene, did not think that this was um, a case of murder or self-defense. Yep. Anyway, this has escalated, Clay, and I want you to tell me what you think is going to legally happen here. Go- Governor Abbott of Texas did get a lot of pressure initially. I saw the pressure. I saw. I think they talked about, talk about this on Tucker Show Friday, and uh, Mike Cernovich has been tweeting a lot about it and getting a lot of attention for this case. But uh, Abbott has said that he will sign a pardon of no jail time, no prison time, and restore, restoration of rights 
for Daniel Perry after the conviction of his murder if the uh, the pardon board moves and processes the pardon. They, he can't do it unilaterally. It has to go through this board. Do you think it'll happen? Do you think it is justice? What do you think? I'm certainly not an expert on the Texas Parole Board and Pardon Board, the way that they handled this. My understanding is that uh, the Attorney General, who you and I both know uh, in Texas, Ken Paxton, in fact, I believe we were watching the Alabama-Texas game with him uh, down in Austin. And we should mention as well, we appreciate all of our listeners in Austin. It's another one of the cities where we are number one in. So I know for many of you in the Austin area, this story has particularly, and all over the state of Texas, and certainly to a large degree the nation, um, if that parole, uh, sorry, that uh, that pardon board acts, then I think it's a no-brainer for Governor Greg Abbott to come in on top and, and endorse their decision. Uh, but my understanding is that they are appointed by the governor, but they review all of the cases, and it is their decision as to whether or not to render this uh, render this decision, right? Um, and if they do pardon, then the governor would follow up and endorse that decision. And it seemed like, based on what I have seen from Attorney General Paxton, that that is, in his opinion, likely to happen. Now, I looked at the evidence in this case, and as you pointed out, this... Um, initial on-the-scene officer. What's different with the Kyle Rittenhouse case is we don't have the same kind of objective video. The Rittenhouse jurors could sit and see almost perfectly the perspective under which Kyle Rittenhouse acted. But I did read up on this case, Buck, and I believe they looked at his car. And basically, this guy was an Uber driver, as you mentioned, that got caught in the middle of a BLM protest. They were able to find 25 different hands beating on his car. So he was just driving. He gets caught in this protest. There are suddenly 25 different people beating on his car, and somebody armed with a gun pointed their gun at him. I think when you consider that context, it's hard to consider it could be anything other than self-defense. So if we were to take this, because there is a stand, there is a stand-your-ground law in Texas, and if we were to take this as the, the, a vehicle is essentially an extension, you know, inside the vehicle is an extension of what you would expect to have some degree of, of, of privacy, safety, and security as you would in your own home, right? I mean, there are people who even live in their cars, obviously, but a, the interior of that vehicle, when someone's stuck in that car, they should have some right to expect that they can't just be surrounded and threatened like that because all those pounding fists, the next thing that he hears could be the gunshot. Right. It's, you know, you're, or, you're or under them dragging him out and beating right. him and beating him uh, senseless. Right. I mean, that's right. not uncommon either. If if you were stuck in your house and 25 people or 10 people or 15 people or whatever were all pounding on your windows. And one guy pointed an AK-47 at you from one of those windows and you shot him. I'll tell you this. Not only would I as a juror acquit, I mean, as a prosecutor, there, there's nothing to even there's nothing to even think about it. You're not even going to talk about that is. The core of self-defense. And in this case, by the way, I wanted to find the affidavit. And Marina Medvin uh, shared this. And she's uh, a, conser- you know, a conservative lawyer that is very you know active in the conversations online about cases like this. She says, read the affidavit from a lead detective. This is in the affidavit from the lead detective on this clay, uh, case who says the Soros DA directed him to, quote, remove exculpatory information that I had intended to present to the grand jury during my testimony. Yep. As in, the fix was in. 
This was because this guy, it was, a, it was a white guy who was shot, which also all these libs are, this guy murdered a black man. It was a white guy who was shot, but at a BLM, you know, part of a BLM which riot. Which is similar to the Rittenhouse situation in that respect. Right. That's right. Uh, where, which a lot of libs got that wrong, too. Oh, my gosh, he's a racist. Rittenhouse yes. was a racist murderer. No, he's defending himself. By the way, Kyle Rittenhouse would have spent the rest of his life in prison if they didn't have clear video of exactly what happened there. In this case, they've got a still shot. That shows the guy raising his AK, pointing it in this mob surrounding the car at Perry. What's he supposed to do at that point? Hope the guy doesn't decide that he's going to use the rifle that he's pointed at him? That's the world the Democrats want everyone to live in, and that's wrong. It's immoral, and I'm, I'm happy to see Abbott is stepping up to do the right thing, Clay. Not only that, by the way, Buck, it's that they choose not to prosecute basically anyone. This prosecutorial discretion standard deserves a lot of attention. When you are looking at evidence all the time of people committing crimes and dropping it down from a felony to a misdemeanor, and then you decide to throw the book at someone else, it's prosecution by narrative. It's not based on the facts. That's certainly what we're seeing with Trump. It's what we're seeing with the January 6th defendants. It appears to be, to a large extent, what we saw with Rittenhouse and with here. The difference is Rittenhouse was able to get a jury to buy his self-defense claim because I think his evidence was enough. This is an example of prosecutorial decision-making run amok and politics getting involved in it. And it's going on with these Soros DAs all over the country. And frankly, it's downright scary, honestly, when you consider that these DAs have so much power and they're being totally rigged in terms of what they're choosing to pursue. I would just say this real quick. I know we've gone long on this, but I think it's an important discussion. And by the way, if you have thoughts on this case and you have expertise in self-defense law in Texas, 800-282-2882, Clay, uh, it's, it's infuriating. But keep in mind, if this were a truly blue state, he got nailed by Soros in the blue city of Austin. If this was in California, if this was Los Angeles, where the whole state is blue, He'd be spending the rest of his life in prison. No question about it. It's a great point. It's an absolutely great point. Uh, energy and stamina were on full display at the Masters Golf Tournament yesterday. If you saw it, you know what I mean. Rain earlier in the week. I watched it. Managed to stay awake, by the way, because I still have pretty good energy. I know there were a lot of dads and granddads that were out, fell asleep on the couch with 30 holes, 27 holes, all this different golf that had to go on. Uh, nearly two full rounds in one day. Energy like that comes from having the right amount of testosterone in your body. Average man, do you know this? This is crazy. Average man in America today has 50% less testosterone than a similar aged man had 50 years ago. That is wild to think about. How do you help improve on that? How about Chalk's Mel Vitality Stack? Chalk is a Texas-based company, an early sponsor of the program. They spell the company name C-H-O-Q. That's C-H-O-Q. Their male vitality stack formulated all natural with the leading ingredients found to restore 20% of the missing testosterone levels in just three months. They also have supplements for women, too. If you're looking for great all-day energy this spring and want to be at your best, whether it's out on the golf course or just running around in your day-to-day life, set yourself up with chalk. You can do that online at choq.com chalk.com you can use my name clay to save 35 percent off any chalk subscription for life it's a big deal chalk.com do it today use my name clay you don't know what you don't know right but you could on the sunday hang with clay and buck podcast 
Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Since 9-11, the Tunnel the to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel the to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades-in-arms, nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud foundation donor. Tunnel of Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams, offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.